Welcome to Next Level Shit, where our host, Dave Warner, digs out the best of the best of our guests and discusses the things that put you on a quest to rise above the rest. He'll tease out their backgrounds, their motivations, their struggles, how they got to where they are today, and we'll have fun doing it. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, and tell your friends. Now, sit back, sip on a cold one, and enjoy the show. Next Level Shit. What's up, Clint? How you doing? What's happening, Dave? No, just chilling and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to apologize for my, my nasal passage sound. It sounds like I did a ounce of coke last night, but it's just allergies. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it's that, yeah, it's that everybody, time of year. Yeah, everybody knows I put the coke in my butt anyway, so you know that. <laughs> no, yeah. they, don't, they don't mess around with any of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, shots between the toes and uh, <laughs> and, and coke in the bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I really wanted to start off uh, today, like like I told you. I mean, it's unscripted on anything. We're just going to shoot the shit for a while here. And sure. um, one thing I really want to emphasize before we get started is for for people that are listening to to reach out to people who are in the place that you want to be. Um, yeah. That that's how I met Clint. Um, you know, I had a horrible experience with a, a gentleman that uh, had told me he was going to order, you know, millions of dollars a year in gun parts. And uh, he actually introduced me to Clint uh, in a roundabout way. And I, and I called him back up, you know, months later and said, Hey man, this is where I'm at. You know, what, what do you suggest that I do? Uh, we, we grew a friendship from there and, you know, there's other people in, in the industry that, that are the same way that I've just reached out and, and called that I'm like, Hey, John, how do I do this? Like, I didn't know what map was. I didn't know what pricing structures looked like. And, and everybody that I've ever tried to contact in, in any industry that is where I want to be has been so helpful. And um, I just want to let people know that, uh, that that's how this whole relationship started was me making a phone call to you, like putting my hand up, like help, man. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I'm I'm glad that you did. Uh, you know, of course, for us, we had a, you know, we shared an experience. We just didn't know about it at the time uh, <laughs> through through that uh, shit bag. But uh, you know, I, I I'll tell people this. You know, what what Dave is saying is absolutely true. What what unfortunately what happens most of the time is people see you know people where they want to be and they decide well I'm going to troll that person or I'm going to hate that person because they've got what I want and they've put in the work that I haven't uh and it's it's kind of an opposite approach you know one of them actually will work and grow your your uh, career or friendship or vocation or whatever that is and the other will just make you a miserable person <laughs> yeah, I got I got plenty of those trolls. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so everybody knows uh, you know, about your your brand building skills and and things that you've done. Um and, and we'll get into all that. We'll have you skew all that kind of stuff. Uh but sure. one thing I I like to kind of get into is is the the drive, the creativity that you have. Um you know, I, I want to get back to uh, you you share online bits and pieces of, you know, coming up in how you came up as a young man and, and what formed you into who you are today and, and the values that you have. Um, so I, if we can start off there, man, I'd love to hear it. Sure, man. That That's a uh, love to, um, you know, in fact, it, what's interesting is my wife and I were, we were just, uh, 
doing a lunch here the other day uh, locally at some place that's, you know, I mean, we might go to twice a year. And as I'm walking in, this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, you know, my name is so-and-so and I follow you on Instagram. And and that's happened. Actually, it's surprising to me when it happens because it's happened all over the place. I mean, we while we're traveling, I mean, we'll be at dinner somewhere. And, uh, you know, I've had a pilot when I was at the airport turn around and say, hey, I follow you on Instagram. Uh, didn't get me any first class upgrade or any <laughs> bullshit. But, uh, you know, it's kind of neat, right? And yeah. and so this guy and I, we wind up talking for a good, I don't know, 40 minutes. And he's uh, he's from San Diego. He's up here visiting. He decided to buy a piece of property up here because I had been, you know, talking about Montana and and, uh, you know, he's like, look, man, you know, the reason I follow him, he's an older guy. Uh, he's got a business, got 150 employees. And he says, you know, I follow you because you, you you keep it pretty real. You know, he says, I, I'm, you know, Instagram and social media is a lot of fake bullshit. But on occasion, you know, you send, you, you share something that, I mean, it seems very genuine. And, and you know, I, I want people to know I'm not an expert. Well, I guess I've become somewhat of an expert in social media over the years, but I didn't set off on on social media to try and be famous or anything. I, I was actually I was actually a dealer of mine um, in uh, Jensen Beach, Florida, Lotus Gunworks. Um, a guy named Scott Harp, uh, who now works for uh, Zevtech. Uh, he was uh, one of my favorite guys. Worked behind the counter, and if, and if you sell guns in this in this industry, and you travel around the country and you go to these different gun shops, you know you want to find. I call him the counter ninja. You know that that guy in the shop that loves your brand, or he just he he lives it and breathes it. And for me, that was a, a, guy, a kid named Scott Harp, and he told me I was there working a, a in store event with him. He's like, man, you got to be on Instagram, and I'm like, man, I, I don't, I don't want to be doing any of that stuff. Um, I was barely on Facebook at the time, and and I like to keep, you know, my life kind of private, uh, believe it or not. And so, <clears throat> when I when I got onto Instagram, I, I started to realize, wow, I could actually use this to help help grow my business. Of course, that was before Instagram started, you know, trying to strong arm uh, companies, especially gun related. Oh yeah. But. <clears throat> uh, you know, it really grew. And, and I think, um, with any, uh, growth or uh, a position where, you know, you, you, you either uh, manage a number of people or you can influence a number of people, it, it comes with responsibility. And I view social media, uh, these days as something that is uh, generally, affected in a negative way the health of a lot the mental health of a lot of people especially we, young people we, we've, we've taken the personal communication out of everything like the, the human interaction the, the you know when you say something to somebody there's a reaction that has a physical adverse reaction to it right i mean yeah everybody's yeah. you know steven seagal on the internet and everybody's fighting and everybody's right. posting you know these memes that are all not true you know? right yeah right or or you know the other side of that uh you know where they're they're, they're posting simply the highlights of their life and in some yeah. cases it's fake you know it's yeah. not even a highlight of their life they're just making it seem like it is and so for a lot of younger people that are looking at that a lot of people that are coming up they're like man 
that this person's life seems to be going so perfectly. Why isn't mine? You know, that there's no challenges uh, shown. And so for me, I, at some point I, you know, cross this, this number, I don't know what that number was of followers. And I thought, you know, I, I really have an opportunity here to, to uh, share, you know, some of my story uh, with people as a means of encouragement. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that might, be shocking to some people who followed me for years ago. Well, you know, he's trying to encourage people because I, I don't hesitate to call someone a shit bag if they are, or just, you know, call it like I see it. But, um, you know, I, I really do, uh, think that, you know, just being genuine, if, if you can, uh, you know, with people is, is, is the better approach. And, so, you know, getting to, to my story, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I, I tell people I grad, I went through college in one day in the, in the front door and out the back. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I barely graduated high school. I was, I was working, uh, when I was 14 years old, I was actually a area manager at a, at a target store till they found out how old I was and they fired me. But, um, you know, I always had to work and coming up, uh, when I was really young, you know, we, it, it was tough. Um, you know, my stepdad was, uh, was worked in construction and, you know, we'd move from one job site to another and between, you know, the age of five and, and the time I graduated high school, I, I moved over oh, close to 30 times and it, it was tough. So I was always a new kid at school. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, in a number of cases, I, I was the minority. My skin color uh, was the minority, and, and uh, you know, I got my ass kicked uh, because of it, just flat out. And that, uh, that does a number of things for you. Number one, um, it teaches you, you know, how to handle yourself. Uh, and number two, it, it just um, kind of ingrains in you that, you know, not everybody comes up the same and the value system for me, I mean, shit, I, I was literally my first suspension from school. I, I sold turns on my air jammer road rammer, uh, car. I don't know if you remember those things, but it was this little car that you could pump air into and it would take off down the, down the streets. Oh, yeah. I, I'd got one, I brought it to school and kids wanted to try it and, you know, I had to eat. So I was like, you know, fuck yeah, you can try it. It's going to cost you 50 cents or whatever it was. And I did that for a good couple of weeks and I was making, making money and the school found out about it. And of course, you know, the education system doesn't want you to be an entrepreneur. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, they cut that short. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I sold toys at school, uh, that evolved to, you know, me stealing shit and selling it. Um, and, you know, that's just how I came up. Um, it was just a, a different way. It was, it was all about being a hustler. Surviving. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I hear a lot these days, uh, you know, this term, fake it till you make it. And, you know, when I first heard that term. I'm like, I didn't like it um, because I don't want people to think I'm fake. But I can tell you that there were a number of times that I applied for a job or I, or I accepted a job where it was way over anything I'd ever done. And I had to live up to, to that position. And fortunately for me, 
um, I was able to talk my way into, you know, some positions and that helped to uh, leverage my career. So, you know, again, coming up through school at, at some point, you know, I, I decided in my, my teen years, we'd moved down to Orange County. We lived up in Oakland and up in the Bay Area in, in uh, California. And we moved down to Southern California, this area called Garden Grove, and which now is a little more upscale than it used to be. It's adjacent to Santa Ana, Anaheim, for those guys that are familiar. Um, and, uh, you know, there were definitely gangs and different stuff going on, but my school was uh, mostly white and Vietnamese. Um, then we had the Samoan gangs, the Mexican gangs, the Vietnamese gangs, you know, everybody was in a gang. Um, the gang, the gang troubles got to be so bad, you know, our school is across the street from the Garden Grove, uh, police department, and we couldn't even wear our, our varsity jackets to school because our colors are red and white. Cool. And, uh, at my school, I, I was dating a gal that was, uh, was Cuban and, uh, she still is. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, these Mexicans thought I was, you know, this white guy dating the Mexican. So, you know, they kicked her ass and then tried to jump me and, you know, and, and here's the deal, man. Like I've got people that I went to high school with. I got people I went to grade school with that are on my Instagram and on my, my Facebook. So those are my people that fact check this, but you know, between my freshman year of high school and, and graduating, I no shit probably got into, I don't know, 40, 50 fights, uh, got suspended, got kicked out of the school, got brought back to the school, if not for my football coach taking interest in, in me and, and trying to keep me on the straight and narrow and staying in school, it, it would have been, would have been bad. Um, but, uh, you know, when I left, uh, high school, I mean, I, I was living day by day. So I'd moved out, uh, a little bit before my 17th birthday and was working at a grocery store, and just going, man, you know, I, I, I got to figure some shit out. My guidance yeah. counselor had, had told me, look, you don't have the good, you don't have good grades. Um, you're better off working in some sort of service industry. Uh, and you know, not really good advice. Um, so, you know, fuck you to all the guidance counselors out there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we, sounds like we had the same one, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I had one guidance counselor. This guy's name is fucking awesome. I got to say it. it. His his last name was Inch and his first name was Dick. No so, way. Yes. Yeah. So Dick Inch or Inch Dick, <laughs> if he had been in the service, um, you know, he was actually pretty cool, uh, but he wasn't my guidance counselor. But, you know, uh, shout out to Mr. Dick Inch. Uh, anyway, uh, so when I graduated, it was like, you know, what are other people doing? Well, they're all going to junior college. A lot of my football teammates, I had been trying to get a, a scholarship. Um, the local junior colleges there, Orange Coast College, uh, Fullerton Junior College, they were like, hey, we'll, we'll take you and you can play for us. And, you know, you get get a partial tuition. And for my broke ass, I, I couldn't even afford the books, you know, so I'd I played ball for a while and it, it was banging me up pretty good. So finally I'm like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta join the army, you know, and get some, get some uh, college money that way. And, uh, you know, and that was my way out. You know, I didn't, I didn't have anyone to help me up. I didn't have a handout. Um, oddly enough, I, I could 
claim uh, Native American on my like and legally claim that because I'm one sixty fourth Choctaw Indian, I could claim that, but I refused to um, because I I didn't grow up you know celebrating the Native American heritage and I didn't want to use it. Um, uh, you know why I don't know I don't know where that comes from. I mean maybe it comes from getting your ass kicked and working for everything. It, it yeah, just sends a pride. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I didn't, uh, but in the army, I wound up uh, dislocating both my arms it was a pre-existing injury. And, and uh, when I got out, uh, you know, I, my career, I wanted to go in law enforcement prior to that. It was kind of like, well, you can't go in law enforcement now. And, and uh, you know, not with that kind of injury. And, and so, my dad, who my real dad, um, who I'd kind of reconnected with, um, you know, he he said, look, man, just go find something that you love doing and just be good at it. Yeah. And he it's said, you know, and it is great advice, you know, and for me, I really enjoyed installing car stereos. Um, I, I learned how to install them by uninstalling them, if you know what I mean. And, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, you know, people are kind of like, what this guy, you know, like they're maybe look at me now and go, this guy stole cars. You know, I, I can tell you, I, I would steal cars and bring them back to my house. Uh, you know, I'm 15 years old and I'm parting out cars in my garage and my mom would come in uh, the garage. What, what the fuck's going on? You know, it's like three in the morning. Oh, I'm I'm cutting this car up. Okay, well, just fucking keep it down, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's the type of you know shit that I grew up in, um, which is ironic because I see all the shit that's going on across the nation right now, and you know, I am the poster child for you know the white racist, right? Uh, I'm sec I'm successful, I'm white. I, I like guns and uh, I go to church on occasion, you know, so what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, maybe I came up even harder than they did. Um, and I do know what discrimination is like, but uh, at any rate, um, I started working for this, uh, this car stereo outfit in, in Anaheim it's called USD audio and uh, speaker works was the name of the place. The USD audio was a brand of speakers that they made. Eric Holdaway, who's still a friend of mine on Facebook today, uh, his family owned it and we built uh, badass competition cars. Uh, they competed in Iaska and USAC and number of um, competitions and just dominated. And I kind of, you know, got a name for, for, uh, for that. So this magazine, uh, car audio magazine shows up one day to do this article on a car that we had built. And, you know, interestingly enough, when I was, when I was in the army, you know, you, you don't get too many personal items, but after you get to a certain, you know, evolution of your training, you can go to the PX and pick up, you know, personal type shit, you know, so I had a magazine, I had one magazine and it was car audio and electronics. So here's this magazine uh, coming in and doing a feature on a car that we had built, you know, a year, a year and a half after I gotten out of the army thinking I was devastated, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, you know, thought I was a big, big fucking loser. And, and here they are. So, you know, I told the guys, I said, look, I took pictures of some of this process and I'm, I'm pretty good at, 
at uh, writing. I'd taken a police report writing in, in junior college, uh, taking a police report uh, writing class. So I thought, I thought you meant they wrote one up on you. So no, no, I have several though. You, you, have that, you look into that. Uh, so anyway, um, they, uh, they said, yeah. So we wrote this thing up and the editor says, man, you're a pretty decent writer and you know all about this shit. And, uh, you know, maybe you'd freelance for us. And so I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd do that. So I started doing that. And then, uh, uh, opening came up i've been just really trying like hey man i'd love to work in the publishing industry you know i mean it just seemed like a rock star kind of lifestyle and uh position to open up on mini truck and magazine and uh i didn't know shit about mini trucks really but uh they they wanted me as like a kind of a group technical editor doing the car audio type stuff so i took it so truck and mini truck and Lowrider, sport compact car, European car. I mean, we, we had them all, um, and car audio and auto sound and security. So I started there, um, a camera that I'd purchased when I was 14 years old, a Minolta X370. That was the camera that I used to get hired at this uh, publishing job. And, you know, still broke, you know, didn't, didn't pay a whole lot, but, you know, people thought you were making money because you could drive some of the fancy cars that, you know, they had in the parking garage and, and, you know, it's prestigious. It's a magazine, right? So, yeah. but, you know, I was still living in Huntington beach with roommates, you know, sleeping, sleeping on a couch. And, and uh, you know, of course I have to keep going back to this. I was still friends with Eric Holloway, the guy that owned USD audio speak works, still friends with those roommates that I slept on their couch were all, you know, it's still, those people are all on my Facebook course. They've got kids and all kinds of stuff. Now things evolve, but, um, anyway, thank God, thank, thank God for those people though. Right. Yeah. Thank God for those people. Right. And, <laughs> I got a and, lot of those too, man. Yeah. And so, you know, here's the deal, man. I, I can remember, uh, and I think about this a lot, you know, like we're in the middle of, uh, remodeling our house here in Montana and, you know, I walk around and, you know, I was in my, my daughter's room the other day and I'm like, man, where did all this shit come from? You know, like, you know, it's, this is nice. You know, my son's room, you know, I mean, fucking 55 inch TV and that, you know, like this is some nice stuff. And I guess, I guess I bought all this shit at some point, you know, like, uh, and I can remember living in Huntington beach, working at that job, installing car stereos or, or even working at the magazine and I was broke as a joke. I mean, it, it was, it was bad. You know, I rode a bicycle almost everywhere. Um, I'd get off work. I'd grab a six pack of Mickey's and, and some Swishers and Hell yeah. I'd hang out at the pier and, you know, fricking, you know, crush some Mickey's. And I just, I look around and I'd, I'd see like these big fancy houses or these dudes rolling these badass cars or whatever it was, man. And it was always on my mind, always on my mind how do I get from where I am to there? You know, that, how does a guy afford a house like that? How does a guy afford a car like that? Right. Um, and sometimes it would get me down, you know, because I, it felt so far away. Um, but it, it was just always part of that. It was on my mind, you know, so how do I get there? And the only way that I knew I was going to get there was through me. It was the same way coming up, man. Um, I couldn't rely on a friend of mine seeing me get bullied at school and say, 
hey, man, I'm going to be there after school. If those guys try and pick on you, I'm going to back you up. And he wouldn't show. So I learned early on, man, that it was going to be on me. And, uh, you know, the working at that publishing job, the only way I could get there, I'm, I'm going to be the first person in the building. I'm going to be the last person to leave. And my wife, who will be married 20 years here uh, in August, uh, I met her working at that job. And she tells every person we know, let me tell you about Clint. <laughs> he was the first person in that door and the last person to leave. If any assignment came up, these guys, they, you know, hey, we got to we need to get an editor across the country to go film or photograph this thing. I was volunteering to do it. Um, if they needed somebody to go drop off film to get processed because the courier didn't show up, I was going to, I wanted to learn every single aspect of that so that I could figure out more than everyone below me and, and start climbing that ladder. And, uh, wouldn't you know, within a year and a half, I, I was, a uh, technical editor for car audio magazine, that same magazine that was in my footlocker when I was in the army. Um, within three years, I was a group editorial director for the largest publishing company in the world. And I'm dyslexic. <laughs> uh, I have never taking, taken a writing class other than police report writing. I've never taken a photography class. I have never taken an engineering course. And, you know, my group at uh, EMAP Peterson was the high tech group. I ran the high tech group. Um, my way of learning how that shit worked was to pull it apart and figure out how it worked. And that same work ethic, if, if you fast forward into the firearm industry, the same thing. I didn't come from some pipe hitting military background like, like people think. I came from a background of just, you know, you scrape and you, and you pull everything that you can to, to make it work. There's a hot rodders mentality. Uh, you know, when you build a hot rod, a lot of people think, I mean, if you watch uh, monster garage, which is about to kick off again here soon, uh, my buddy, Jesse James is, is uh, they're starting to film now. And Alex, who I know all those guys, man, I knew them from, from the, from those car days, you know, when they build a car, you ever watch those shows and they, they put it together and they go to turn it on and it doesn't start. And you're like, oh, that's for drama. That's for TV. You know, they got this deadline. The deadlines are always real. And every single car guy I know pushes right to the edge of that deadline. Okay. And when they go to fire it up, you don't just plug in the wiring harness, hook up the battery, put some fuel in, whatever. There's always some shit that you got to do. Right. Oh, yeah. And that hot rodders mentality, that tweaking and tuning and all of that that comes with it. That's how I built the 300 wind mag. You know, when, and so, so it was funny that people today is like, wow, you, you have some sort of engineering degree, you, you know, whatever. No, I didn't have a silver spoon. I didn't have a formal education. I didn't have some big time financial backer. Um, I, I know what it's like to bootstrap. Um, and part of that, Dave, and you know, this, it comes from knowing your, your limitations, and then you surround yourself with people that enhance your weaknesses and where, where that, what happens in the corporate world. And I see this a lot. I don't care 
what kind of corporate world it is, whether it's construction or the fire ministry or, you know, building cars, whatever, people have a tendency to, to hire people that have a lesser qualification than them so they can stay above them. Right. Yep. And I know this about you that you hire people that are better than you. And I know that because I've talked to them. I know that because I've, I've seen their posts on social media and I've seen yours and that's the type of shit that you can't fake that type of stuff. And so Clint, it's not hard to, it's not hard to be better than me at a lot of things. So that, that was an easy task. I didn't want to say that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> me, me too. Uh, so anyway, that, that brings us, you know, it, it's, it's a very fast forward approach, but man, you know, along the way in the publishing industry, let me let me just bridge this gap between firearms and the publishing. But at one point, uh, you know, the, the the publishing industry was going through consolidation. So, you know, one company would would buy the other and that make their stockholders happy and everybody get paid. And, you know, it was, it was uh, growth by acquisition. And my group, the high tech group, was the only group that didn't get didn't get uh, pillaged. It didn't get, um, didn't have the attrition where people were getting fired or laid off or quitting. My group stayed intact. And that's because we were a family. You know, I cared about these people deeply. And at one point, you know, three acquisitions into my career in the publishing industry, I went, you know, every time this company sells and, and one of my, like my group sold for $56 million, uh, you know, I got a fancy watch out of it. Uh, you know, they paid me a lot of money, you know, as a salary, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, I, I wasn't making millions and, and I desired to, it was a goal of mine, you know? So I, my wife and I, my wife was now working, she was working for another publishing company. I said, man, let's, let's start our own publishing company. You know, we don't, we don't need to keep building these for these people that we've never even met and letting them sell them and whatever. So we did. And uh, here we were, we're living in Orange County, California, Irvine, for people that, that know the area. We had a gated community, our first house. I had like 11 cars. Uh, and, you know, we were living pretty well. And uh, and my wife and I, when we started dating, we, we would take what we call ashtray change dates, you know, where the money that we had in the ashtray of my car, well, that was what we had for our date. So, you know, here we were six years later you know, living pretty well and blowing money on stupid shit. And you know what? Here's something I'm going to tell people. If you, you know, when you start coming up and you start getting there and you start getting paid, go buy that stupid shit. Do it. Enjoy yourself. Go, go enjoy yourself, man. Uh, only later do I go, eh, I didn't need to buy that Mercedes and, and that car and this thing and whatever. But that was on me. That growth was going to come through me. Um, but those were things that I wanted. And after I got them, I went, okay, I've been there. I checked that box. Um, so we sold in our first year of marriage, my wife and I sold every single thing that we owned except for one vehicle, uh, our house, everything moved into a two bedroom apartment in Eugene, Oregon. Okay. From our, from our gated home and in Irvine. Cause that's what we could afford. It was super cheap up there. And I had a client, the, that was doing some mark, you know, we had a marketing gig and 
they were local in Eugene. So fuck it. We moved up there and uh, right across the street from the university of Oregon. And we built our publishing company. We lived there for about two years and started a couple magazines, DVD, et cetera. And then later HGTV, et cetera. And uh, within two years we had 16 employees and we were doing 18 magazines a year. Um, and so fast forward, we moved to Montana and that was the ultimate goal. Uh, we sold that publishing company. It kind of evolved to do publishing and marketing. Um, and we had big names. I mean, Land Rover and, and a number of, uh, of big brands that we were working with. Um, and we sold that company to Maury Povich and Connie Chung, uh, and, uh, like the Maury Povich, the one that people know for doing DNA tests and shit like oh, that. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, so we sold that in 2013 and I used uh, money from that to start Nemo. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that company, you know, true story. I owned one AR 15 rifle. Uh, I had owned it for about a year. I bought it from a company called SI Defense, which is now Falcor, right here mm -hmm. in Kalispell. Um, they they built built the gun for me, and uh, anyway, I was on the board of economic development for the state of Montana, and uh, we were looking at industries that we could attract to Northwest Montana that would help you know create some jobs for people up here because our economy here is based on two things, which is tourism and real estate. And, you know, that's a pretty volatile thing to be, to be uh, based on. So we're trying to attract industries and I kind of centered around the firearm industry and, and uh, looking at that and saw yeah. that, you know, a lot of companies didn't even actually make their own parts, um, you know, or, you know, they were just a brand and there's so many aspects of it. And, uh, Anyway, we couldn't really attract companies up here to, to kick it off. So at one point, I'm like, you know, I've done all this research. I think we ought to just start our own gun company. And that was really the genesis for Nemo. A friend of mine who was a head of DOD said, you know, I said, what, what, what could be made in the firearm that would just be, you know, game changer? I was thinking military at the time. He said, well, you know, a, a precision uh rifle that shoots 300 wind mag because that was the round of choice for the military at the time um in a in an auto loader would be a game changer and like a lot of new gun companies i thought well you know the the pinnacle would be to sell to the military which is you know for anyone that's going to start a gun company i'd i'd tell you focus on consumers um but uh, that that's why we built that 300 wind mag and there again everybody and their brother telling me can't be done can't do it i mean ar-10s weren't even running reliably at the time um but for me and the and the small team that we had we didn't know what we didn't know um we didn't know we wouldn't consider ourselves experts in the ar platform so we didn't think that there were boundaries so we just decided to test every boundary and man, I, you know, that being said, I've never worked in an industry that had so many people telling me that we were doing it wrong. And, 
that no one would ever buy it. First of all, it's never going to work. And then no one's ever going to buy it. And uh, that type of stuff it, it has fueled my entire life. You know, people, when people tell me something can't be done, I start going, are you telling me that because you're trying to protect this turf? Or are you telling me that because you're just afraid I might do something better than you could have ever done? And uh, it drove drove me harder and uh, further. And so that was the genesis of uh, Nemo and my entry into the precision firearm market, which, you know, I tell people not only were we the first at it, um, we you know, did something that couldn't be done. And we also created the ultra high-end AR platform rifle category. There was nothing even remotely close in terms of, uh, you know, the cost of one of those rifles at the time. And, uh, you know, it was an awesome experience. So that's, that's, uh, that kind of brings us up to date, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a beautiful project and a beautiful thing. And I, I remember when I first started researching and seeing what, what uh, you were doing in the industry, uh, that's why I kind of reached out and I said, hey, will you, will you take a look at this gun for me? I have a bunch of parts that I've manufactured and we don't really know what we're doing. And I set you out a gun and you called me and said, this thing looks like shit. <laughs> You're like, the machining, the machining's great on it. The, the coatings, the this and that. And I think I sent you one, you know, two months later and you're like, yeah, that's it. That, that's where you need to be. So, yep. you know, yep. like I said, again, it's, a, it's another one of those things, you know, you reach out to the people that have been where you want to be and have done what you want to do and be able to get their input. Um, it's, it's huge. So, well, and, I got to tell you something, something about that real quick, you know, in, in this industry and, and getting back to what I said earlier, I find a lot of people that they not only surround themselves with people that, you know, don't have a better skill set, but they surround themselves with people that tell them what they want to hear. Oh, no, you can't have that. You can't have it. And, no. and, and I found, you know, cause I do consulting now for, for businesses. And when I come into a business, you know, if, if, a, if they call me in, I tell them, look, you know, you can't have such thin skin that when I tell you what, what the truth is here of your business, that you, that you want to run me out of the building. You, you want to embrace that because I'm looking at it objectively, right? Yeah. And you um, were one of, I would say, very, very few people that actually took that advice well. Um, when I got that first rifle, I mean, it, it was it was kind of a train wreck and you told me, you know, look, it, you know, this is, I mean, the coolest thing about it was like the wooden crate that it came in, right? And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, but there were some, you know, Hey, this, this machining looks nice. Some of these tolerances are just wrong. And, you know, this part's assemble wrong or whatever. And I honestly didn't know if I'd ever hear from you again. Right. Uh, you know, in marketing, you, you, you know, there's a term, you, you, you create what's called a go away piece, a fuck you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you want to be serious. I'm just going to tell you what the truth is. Go away. When that person comes back, you know that they're ready to buy. And when you came back with your rifle, I knew that that you that you could that you wanted to evolve. And and it was a shooter. It it ran well. And I mean, dude, think about that. That's not actually that long ago. Think of how no. far next level has come now. 
yeah, it's, uh, it's been an insane ride. And and I, I get that yeah. all the time. Like I, I go to Blake, you've talked to him several times with me. Yeah. Um, you know, the lead designer, I'm like, I want to make this telescoping thing that's going to do this. And he, he said, he'll just tell me, just put the pipe down and go back upstairs. Like, just get out of my <laughs> office, you know? He's just, right. He's just like, he's like, go, go, go do something else, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that, it's good to have a, a good relationship with your engineer. I got to tell you my, uh, here's, here's something funny about that. So this guy, his name's Aaron McGinty and Aaron is, and he had done, uh, some stuff when you and I were working on some OEM projects or something, um, your, your guy, your team interface with Aaron, Aaron, um, he was involved. He worked for SI defense and, um, he's kind of like me in a, in, in a way in you where, you know, he came up, you know, didn't have a formal education as an engineer, but, um, he, uh, he was actually on like a, on a, the United States, at one, the world had like engineering Olympics. A lot of people don't know this. And uh, he's got pictures of him like with Ronald Reagan, where he represented the U.S. Olympic team for engineering and machining. It's the craziest shit. Who, and, who, watch, who watches that, Clint? I had nobody. <laughs> uh, you know, first of all, I don't even know if television I, was invented I, back then. I was going to say, I, I would watch that before I'd watch the regular Olympics, to be honest. Right, with. right. But it was, you know, these guys, they basically say, you know, here's this thing and you need to make it. And, you know, you, they, they didn't even give you calipers in some cases. It was like, you know, you've got a yardstick and, uh, you know, this, and now you get to go make this thing. It was, it's pretty crazy. So Aaron uh, was this you know, chief engineer over at SI defense. And, um, my, I'll never forget the first time I walked in the building over there. He fuck. I mean, that guy was like, who the, why is Clint Walker in this building? He fucking hated me. And the feeling was mutual. Uh, (laughs) but, um, Aaron is one of my best friends to this day. Um, we, we overcame those hurdles and it, it was only through uh, humility, okay, and checking your ego, leaving that ego outside of the conference room where, you know, I've got this badass idea or he's got this badass idea or whatever, and then you hear the rejection, right? Well, this is, this is fucking stupid or this is a better way of doing this. And, again, you've got to find those guys that can tell you, you know what, uh, you know what, Dave? Go go fucking play with the tractor in the lot next door, okay? And uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, because yeah, uh, yep. if you take it personally, there's just no time for it, right? Uh, so you know that that's just a good point. You got to have yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys. And, and I watch those people that that do take it personally. How much time and effort and energy they waste after they take it personally. I worked with a guy like that. You tell him something and. He would go walk around for an hour and a half telling, you know, everybody at work about what happened and how he felt about it. And then he would sit there butthurt for the rest of the day. I'm like, dude, I'm on to the next thing. As soon as somebody tells me something, something I'm doing stupid, I'm like, okay, whatever. So on to the next thing, you know? Yep. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump on one of the other reasons I want to have you on here is we're going through some crazy things right now. Crazy times, obviously with, the whole Corbin stuff and all that fun stuff and the yeah. political stage and all this stuff. And, you know, you're on social media and you, you're great at branding and great at doing these things. I, I just kind of wonder how, 
you know, social media has put us all in close contact with each other at a touch of a button. We have more information at our fingertips than anybody else in the history of the world, right? At any time, but nobody looks up any information to try to find out if what they're posting is true or false. And I'm, I'm just seeing all of this stuff is creating more and more and more division. I mean, I'm the guy that's just, you know, I'll post fart jokes and shit like that. Everybody else is freaking out about you wear a mask or you want people to die. And you, and I mean, they're just going back and forth and every single thing that's coming out is so, so divisive and everybody just keeps going further and further down when originally social media kind of brought us all together. And it was, it was a weird thing when you'd go out and you'd see friends that you haven't seen in four or five years. Maybe, oh yeah. I already seen that on Facebook. Yeah. I seen you had a kid. I seen that, right. you know, and, and I'm just wondering, like, what, what do we do, like, as, as people that want to unify things and make things better to try to get this thing back on track, man, where it was it was a happy, positive environment, man? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, first of all, social media is not a not a good representation of the real world. Right. Um, you know, we got to start there. And I, I think about this stuff a lot, uh, like a lot, a lot. It bothers me. It bothers me that, uh, if I walk down the street, uh, you know, I'm a racist because of the color of my skin. Um, and it bothers me that if I disagree with somebody on any subject anymore, um, I'm xenophobic or I'm, you know, uh, I'm racist or whatever. You you can say homophobic. You know? We only have two yeah. good listeners. Well, it's right. one and a half, one short. Yeah. So you can yeah. say that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're one of them. So yeah. There's... <laughs> so, I'm so all right. So I, I guess, uh, I mean, let's just take this, this, uh, interview, right? Yeah. People don't want to, I mean, what do they want to know? They want to know about me now, right? They've got an impression of me now looking at social media, whatever, what you want to know is how a person got there. Yep. You can't forget that. Yep. And, you know, man, there's some really shitty parts about how I got where I'm going, you know? Um, and, and I want to say that not got where I am, uh, got where I'm going. I haven't gotten there yet. I don't know where there is anymore, um, but I'm still going. But I try to not just celebrate the highlights, but, talk about things, you know, that I'm not so proud of, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud that, uh, you know, I didn't get to finish my, my, uh, what I started in the military, not proud that I stole cars growing up or stole other shit. Um, but it is a part of how I got to be where I'm at. Um, how I got to be the man that I am. And when I look at what's going on right now, I think, man, how tragic is it that that we're going to go tear down all these statues? Let's just take that as, a, as an example. Um, now, some of them, yeah, man, they're Confederate uh, generals that, you know, own slaves or whatever it is. And, you know, they may have some deep uh, racist uh, background. But but at the time, that was the norm. OK, mm-hmm. Um and and then others, I mean, we're just reaching, right? It's like, well, he was a friend of a slave or, you know, whatever the fuck it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're tearing these down. And I think to myself, how do you know how far you've come 
if you can't know where you started and where you've been. So wouldn't a better approach be to erect statues of prominent black leaders and, and uh, other, you know, ethnicities, you know, adjacent to within the same park or, you know, 15 feet away to show people how far we've come, Uh, you know, erasing history is so dangerous. If I were to erase mine, I might start to forget where I came from. Um, and I, and I know a lot of professionals that have done that. <laughs> yeah. You, you uh, get <clears throat> your, your story, um, you know, is very similar to, to mine. You just been in a spot where you don't ever want to go back to. That's so right. You, you bust your ass all the time to make sure it don't happen. And you want to make sure your kids have 10 times the life that you do, that you did right. coming up, you know, and that's it's, right. It's a hell of a drive, you know, and, and for me, yep. the, the Confederate flag stuff, you know, I grew up and I, I didn't know what racism was, dude. Like my best friend, like since I, I could walk was was a black kid and we were just hung out all the time as kids. And then I'd go to my grandma's and I got, you know, Puerto Rican and Mexican cousins and every race and redheaded cousins. And I, I didn't know what any of that was. And right. then, you know, and then I started going to school and it's like, oh, shit, I got the shit kicked out of me because I'm, I got a little darker hair and a little darker skin, you know, and it, and then I got older and, you know, these guys would chase us around town with the Confederate flags in the back of their, you know, pickup trucks and throwing bricks at us and trying to, to beat the shit out of us. And everybody's like, oh, you probably hate the Confederate flag. I said, no, I, I like it. It makes it easy for me to be able to identify those people <laughs> that don't like me. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that is, that's a fact, you know, and, and you know what, there's banter there when you've got friendships like that, you yeah. got friendships with uh, black people and Mexican people and freaking Vietnam, whatever. Um, and some of my closest friends are, we banter, they call me white cracker, whatever. I think it's freaking hilarious. Okay. Um, and we are like, running from that and one thing that i do know is that politicians and i'm talking about politicians i'm not not drawing a line between liberals and conservatives i'm saying politicians have a history of using uh race to their advantage and you know right now in fact uh what was this I saw some videos and pictures and different memes going around now about these guys that, that uh, came into uh, Stone Mountain, Stone Ridge. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, I'm just going to say it flat out. Black Lives Matter, total sham. That thing's been hijacked by the, by the uh, liberal Democrat Party. Um, their message is off key. I don't give a fuck what Don Lemon has to say on the subject, you know, about, well – you know, this only applies to police brutality. And if you want to go start one that's, you know, about gun violence and black on black, then that has to be a separate thing. Bullshit. Okay. Yeah. That's bullshit. Um, you know, uh, and I am not offended at all when somebody says black lives matter. I don't feel the need to yell at the top of my lungs. Well, all lives matter. Okay. People want to stand up and they want to be counted. And they want to be taken seriously. And I get that, you know, I, I do. 
And when we started all this mess that we're in, you know, it started with this, uh, started with police brutality again. And man, I can tell you, I, I had a bottle busted over my head during the, during the Rodney King riots. I was in Anaheim, you know, and people were just angry, man. They wanted to fight. And, uh, I was at a gas station and I was white and, you know, these guys were angry and, you know, we, we mixed it up. Um, I don't fucking hate people because of it to this day. I was, I was fucking pissed off, you know, that, that day. Um, but you know, we started it with something that I think we all agree that, uh, the act against, you know, George Floyd was, you know, it, it was just despicable. I mean, when I watched that video, I cried, man. I mean, yeah, it was I hard. Watch it. it was, I mean, honestly, I'd heard so much about it. And then I watched the whole thing. And I'm like, my God, why isn't someone fucking tackling this scumbag off of this guy? Okay. Like, why aren't the other officers intervening? It, it, it enraged me to see. Okay. And there's no doubt that that does exist, but does that represent every single police officer in the country? Fuck no. But the, the, and I'm just going to say it, the frickin' liberal, uh, liberals of America, Democrats, whoever, whatever fucking, you know, affiliation they, they have seize that opportunity to go, ah, we can finally have something that we can start to beat this drum louder than, than the economy is that, that Donald Trump has created. And so they ran with it and people, I'm going to tell you something. There's a history. There's a history of that of these these things being hijacked black lives matter uh probably did start off as a a a solid viable cause but it's been it has been hijacked by the liberals in antifa and you know what i don't even hear any of that rhetoric anymore it just fucking enrages me okay mm-hmm. so when i when when we fast forward and then i saw the stuff that was happening uh the stone ridge or stone mountain whatever it was and I had people sending me this video. Can you believe this shit? These fucking armed black militants are walking down the street, you know, carrying guns and they're stopping people in their cars and they're fucking, you know, whatever. My first reaction to seeing that was, man, God bless America. These, you know, you, you want to talk about how far we've come. <laughs> so you're saying that whatever it is, Stone Mountain, whatever it is, was the, the freaking the foundation, the KKK started there or whatever. And that's why you're there. You're an armed black man or, you know, marching in the hundreds through that town. That's a sign of progress. If I've oh, ever yeah. seen one. Okay. <clears throat> oh yeah. To me, there is nothing more liberating and patriotic and a symbol of how far we've come than to see these armed black militants, okay? Nothing. I'm like, holy shit, we really have come far. But then I heard the guy's message, okay? And at first it was like, hey, man, we're fucking here. And, you know, this is where it was a young man that was uh, jogging that was, um, you know, chased down and shot. And that's why they were in that town, okay? Yep. And, um, you know, that's why we're here. And, you know, where are these, where the, where the boogaloo, where the boogaloo boys at, where are they at? And first of all, uh, I'm like fucking boogaloo. I mean, boogaloo, 
is a meme, not a movement. Are you fucking kidding me? That's hilarious. And I wonder if this guy knows just how much uh, we have in common. We don't want the government telling us our business. We've, we've realized that the government can't fucking uh, do for us. And so he's there to say, fuck you, man. I'm going to take it straight to the man. He doesn't realize that the man is the very political party that they seem to be affiliated with. Mm -hmm. And he says to this guy something about reparation. Where's my reparation? So now we start going down this path. The guy says, you know, what did I do to you? He says, it's not what you did to me. It's what your ancestors did to me. Are, are we serious about this right now? That, that I should have to go apologize for something that, that you're saying that my ancestors did, but you're only saying that because of the color of my skin. I told yeah. you at the beginning of this podcast, I, I'm 164th Native American. I got, I got an equal right to be fucking pissed off at, at the white Anglo-Saxon, the European, than anyone, right? But if yeah. I spent my life spinning around in that fucking toilet bowl, you know where I'd wind up? In the fucking toilet bowl still. Yep. And that part of it, it lost that, that message for me. And I thought, man, you, you started off you know, going the right way, but man, I'm not going to apologize for shit. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, uh, it's came to a point where <clears throat> a lot of my friends are, are saying it's, it's awkward how people are treating them coming up to them and acting a certain way. Like how, how you talk to a kindergarten kid, you know, hi, mm -hmm. how are you? You know, they're, mm -hmm. like, they're like, I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, I just want to live my life, you know? Dude, I mean, okay. And then when I when I hear the story about reparation, I mean, do people, do they not, I mean, I, I know that the cancel culture wants to forget about history, but does anyone know the actual history of reparations? Does anyone know that? No. I, I know what I know uh, from reading a book, but, but here's, here's the, here is, this is, it's fucking hilarious to me where, Okay, so we have this period in our in our in our history where we have slaves. Okay, go through the Civil War, Emancipation Proclamation, and uh, slaves are free, and a number of people were born free at that time because certain areas already had, you know, freedoms granted and and such. Okay, and it was actually a military general that met with several uh, prominent black leaders at the time. This wasn't driven by politics. They met with this general, this is my knowledge of this, and said, this is what we want. And this is where the, the 40 acres comes up, okay? And he said, okay, all right, so 40 acres. And they wanted to move what they called the planters, these people that owned tobacco farms from, I don't know, North Carolina, South Carolina, all the way to Florida. Remove those people and say, this is where we want this land. It was all coastal. Now, keep in mind that coastal land at the time, that's, that's where poor people lived. So kind of like you know the Americans did uh, with the Native Americans, it's like, well, let's, let's give them the shittiest land that we can, okay? We took all this prime stuff, but they were willing to give up this uh, coastal real estate because it was considered shit property at the time. And those parcels actually started being divided up. 
And blacks at that time started owning them and working that land as their own. Did you know that? I did not. Okay. <clears throat> so that was happening. Okay. There was no uh, political declaration that said, this is official, this is what's going to happen, whatever. But there was this, this document that covered this meeting. Okay. And some of the, some, some of the black men that represented uh, the blacks in that were, some of them were, had been slaves. Some of them had been born uh, free. Uh, some of them were uh, prominent at the time. So they had quite a collection that came up with that. Andrew Jackson gets elected. He's a Democrat, by the way. And he favored the North. Everybody knew that. I mean, you can look at history and, and know which political affiliation supported what, which is fucking hilarious to me to this day. Uh, he's on your $20 bill, too, by the way. So if you want to go boycott something and fucking uh, cancel it out, you better start burning your 20s or don't ever let me see you spend one when you're running down the street telling people they're racist. Okay. <laughs> so fucking Andrew Jackson says, I don't like this deal. And a lot of those people that that were booted off of that land, a lot of those planters are friends of mine. I want all these people run out of here, and I want the land returned to these white guys. And that happened. That is a fact. That is not something that can be refuted. Where is that today in today's messaging? Where have you heard that? Today? And, Right. And so people <laughs> forget about that. Right. And at some point, I mean, again, you know, you can you can go read, uh, you know, writings of Malcolm X or listen to some of his speeches, some of his research. You know, keep in mind that that was a guy. If you read some of his stuff, he, you know, he said that, you know, the liberals and conservatives, he said, let's not put them into political affiliations, the Democrats and Republicans. Let's go, let's go deeper than that. Liberals and conservatives, they both have teeth. And the conservatives are wolves. And they're showing you the teeth because they're telling you they want to eat you. And the, and the liberals are showing you their teeth to make you think they're, that you're, they're smiling at you. But they want to eat you too. And when you think about that, that's pretty insightful. Now, today, yeah. I can go Google, and I posted up uh, part of that. Uh, it, was, it was actually from a speech on my page. Um, I can go, you know, search, click of a button, go search. And by the way, don't just stop on one page. You better look at several because there's a bunch of fake shit out there, right, on, mm -hmm. on the internet, right? So you got to kind of, you know, decipher that. But you have to go back to that time when Malcolm X – how did he how did he have that insight? He wasn't you know, looking at social media and memes and driven by that. No, I was, I was I was super fortunate. Like I said, I, I kind of grew up in a in a country area after we, we moved from out of town out there. And there was there was no Malcolm X books. There was nothing. And my mom went above and beyond and, you know, went to this extra library outside of town and, you know, got me, you know, a couple of books uh, that, you know, that he had wrote and way way ahead of his time i mean just unbelievable oh, yeah and and his insight was experiential okay it was through his own travels and his own dealings that he gained that insight 
So what did Malcolm X have to see in order to have that, that insight? He didn't follow Donald Trump Jr. on his page, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, so again, we, ha- we have to go back and, and, and look at this history. And, and again, I need to clarify with people because there's, I'm sure, man, I've, I've offended fucking every category of person that I can from an entrepreneur to a white guy to a black guy to, you know, whatever in, in, this, in this podcast. But you have to go back to that time, that era, that history, and, and try to put that into context uh, in order to, to know where we're at today. And if we're ever going to get somewhere that's truly uh, remarkable, in other words, we're going to grow from this because right now we're not. No. Basically, we're just tearing this country uh, in half, and that is at the at the glee of certain politicians, and it's and it's because of a power grab. Okay, I don't agree. And and by the way, Donald Trump Jr. and I have met several times. Uh, uh, you know, so. People, again, they think, you know, well, geez, you must you support your president, whatever. I do support uh, Donald Trump. Does he say and do things that I just go, dude, you're fucking killing me? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. OK, um, but he has ripped this system apart and started to drain the swamp. And it's getting so it's getting to that point. You know what happens when you drain a swamp? All that shit that's on the bottom, those creatures, those fucking cottonmouths and those alligators and those snapping turtles, all that shit starts to be exposed. And it gets really ugly at the end. And right now, we're at that point uh, in this country. But for what? So that we can be divided? I don't think so. I think that the, 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 the good thing to come out of this, Dave, when you look around, number one, we've got more gun owners, new gun owners than ever before in history, okay? Mm-hmm. Because people are finally going, wait, the government's not going to be there to protect me? I better fucking protect myself. Well, that's been the, that's been the Second Amendment. That's been the pro-gun message from day one. It's never been about politics politicians made it about politics it's not about politics and so you've got you've got you know folks doing that you've got people coming out and they you know created this uh this nation of chaz or whatever the fuck it was over in seattle yeah yeah and part of me had to like sit back and just kind of like i hate popcorn but i was like i'm gonna fucking eat some popcorn and watch (laughs) this shit go down because it's a predictable outcome yeah so Okay, so you've taken this over, and you're going to build this this uh, this sovereign nation, right, from the ground up. Rolling Stone magazine, which is you know has editors that are just complete shitbags, they come out with this gleaming editorial about how it's a nation built on love. It's completely opposite of how the United States was built. Which, by the way, when we talk about slavery and nations, find a country, find one that wasn't built on the backs of slaves. Find one, okay? So they're building this nation on love, 
And the first thing they do is they put up a fence. <laughs> and, and they take they take welfare to do it, by the way. Yeah. Okay. And then they arm people at this border that they've put up. And they have them checking IDs as people are coming in because they want to know who's coming and going. Well, I'll be damned. Isn't that what Donald Trump has been saying? When we're talking about securing our borders. Oh, P.S. Isn't that the same thing that Barack Obama said eight years ago that we need to we need to know who's coming in and going out? That's not racist. We just need to know who's here. That's it. And so they want it. They want to know. And they're armed. Oh, and lastly, these armed guards shoot and kill some black teenagers. Yep. Wrong car. Wrong car. Oops. Mistaken identity. And don't you know that I, I watched an interview with the father. Uh, first of all, I saw it was on Hannity. And I have not watched uh, Fox News or any of that. So I don't watch TV anymore. I, I mean, I watch Netflix and whatever and, and of course, porn. But I don't watch <laughs> uh, cable news. Now, I will see clips on uh, on social media, you know, Don Lemon and and uh, Tucker Carlson and, you know, others. But it, it just kind of wore me out and got me down, so I just quit watching it. But I happened to remodeling our house. I hooked up this TV, and I turned it on, Just and it, here comes this uh, interview with Hannity. And he has the father of uh, this young man who's 17 years old who was shot and killed by the, by the uh, police of Chaz or whatever the fuck they are. And that man said that no one and this had been day this had been weeks after this had happened no one not the mayor of seattle not the governor of washington not the head of black lives matter not the head of antifa not the uh uh self-elected president of Chaz. none of them had reached out to him to apologize for what had happened to his son. He said that his son was missing for weeks and his friends kept telling him, your son was killed. But he wasn't allowed to go to the hospital to see the body. So he didn't know. I didn't even know any of that happened. I I heard about I heard about the the whole the whole shooting part and how yeah. uh, I think uh, what a, a white Jeep Grand Cherokee pulled up in front of Chaz and popped yeah. off two rounds. So then the guards on the other side shot two kids in a gray SUV or something. Yep. And so uh, in addition to that, uh, Hannity played a video. He said, I'm going to play a video for you. This is a video of the police trying to go and save your son. And the police are trying to march in and people are throwing shit at them. And they are on a bullhorn saying, we are just trying to render aid to the people in this vehicle. And they could not get there. That's insane. It's despicable. Where, where is Black Lives Matter in that? Or is that, as Don Lemon said, is that not, 
a Black Lives Matter issue. It's only when it is the police officer that beat that guy or, or whatever. That's, that's what we're focused on. We're not focused on accidents. We're not focused on black on black crime. Chicago. Uh, yeah, right. We're just focused on those times when it's a officer killing a black man, which, by the way, those numbers have gone down. Numbers of, of white people getting killed by officers has gone up. But the numbers of officers killing black people has gone down. That's a fucking fact. You can't refute that. Does it take away what happened to George Floyd? No, it doesn't. Does, does someone need to you know, plant a flag and say, fuck, man, enough is enough. You can't have someone just sit on top of somebody till they die for 11 minutes in broad daylight or nine minutes, whatever that was. Yeah, man, there, there needs to be some attention drawn to that. But to turn around and vilify these, these officers. Last night I, I watched a movie – uh patriot or uh yeah patriot it's um mark Wahlberg, and it's about the boston marathon bombing oh okay i haven't seen that yet okay that's seven years ago okay not that long ago and at the end of that movie i mean those those police officers they ran in i mean they were fucking you you attack their city you attack their civilians their people fuck man they are pipe hitters right they are they'll bring broken bottles baseball bats whatever they're going to find these fuckers okay and that community did these police officers are in a shootout with these two domestically grown terrorist shitbags again rolling stone magazine put one of them on the cover of their magazine fuck you rolling stone okay uh, glorified that fucking asshole he's waiting to die of lethal injection right now that time can't come soon enough okay the other brother, you know, he ran over his brother. That's the other one that died. The other yeah, fucking yep. terrorist shitbag. Okay, so they they had a parade for those police officers. These guys were throwing fucking bombs at these police officers during the shootout. I mean, it it was. I, I'm watching it. I'm like, this is the most extraordinary thing. And I remember seeing bits and pieces of that on the news. And if you remember, we couldn't even call it terrorism at first. It was like, you know, 15 hours after the fact that we could call it terrorism. Why? Because Barack Obama didn't want to. They didn't want to say that there's terrorists in the United States. This is we're building a nation on love, right? And so I'm like, man, these guys ran towards that. When those bombs went off, those police officers ran to it. When 9/11, when those towers collapsed. Those police officers ran to those buildings. Those firefighters ran into those towers. Not a second thought. And now every police officer, whether they're white, yellow, black, or brown, is some fucking racist shit. I mean, how do we come that far? And what good can come from it? We're getting fed. Like I said, your, your social media, everything you see is there's, there's videos that are, you know, five, 10, eight years old that are getting shared constantly of old things that have happened just to fuel the fire and keep things going. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's a better way, you know, question everything. There's nothing wrong with that, but question everything includes your history. 
you will never ever understand progress unless you have a starting point. And we can't go back and and just say, well, we're going to create a new starting point and forget about this delta and for, and forget about this other variable back. You can't do that. It is so dangerous. And that's what we're doing. And the rest of the world, I mean, there are people are laughing at us and people are championing it. Don't you know that China wouldn't mind if if we imploded and Russia wouldn't mind if we imploded? There's nothing wrong with being the best at something. There's nothing wrong with being proud to be American. And just because you're proud to be American doesn't mean that you have to be proud that you know we took land away from the Native Americans that lived here and, and created the atrocities that we did. That doesn't, doesn't mean that you have to do that. But you can be proud of how far you've come. I mean, only in America can a guy like Colin Kaepernick – uh, who's a multimillionaire, make a living off of being oppressed. Deal, deals with Disney now, all kinds of stuff, man. It's crazy. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, 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 I'm sorry that we may have gotten off on a tangent here, but it, it is current. It is something I yeah. think about. Uh, like, like I said, I, I, I sit there all the time. Like, how, how do we get this back to good and get – Get the negativity all off there, man. Like I said, I, I'm in agreement. 180 percent amount of progress that we've made is is fantastic. And you know, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody videos everything now, and so anything bad that happens goes viral. And yep. you know, how, how do we get back to you know the positivity and the connecting part of social media and get away from? Like I said, everything's just divisive now, man. And it, yeah. and it's. It's, you know, like I said, at my feet is you wear a mask or you hate people and want them to die and you do that. And right. I'm like, you know, so I just, right. I just wish we could figure out a way to get everybody back to, you know, Hey, here's a fart joke or here's this. And just, you know, back to chilling, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I, I think, uh, maybe, uh, you know, part of me thinks, you know, you know, like you, you get pissed off at somebody, first of all, whether you're, you know, a kid and you're growing up and you, you get in a fight with some dude at school, you wind up becoming best friends. Um, or you, you get in an argument with your spouse, your loved one, your brother, your sister, or whatever. You got to say all this shit and get it off your chest, right? And then after you've done that, you kind of go, man, I don't want to be like that. I got to fill this void that I've just created. And that person fills it. And a part of me thinks, okay, people are just getting shit off their chest right now. Um, and there needs to be a period of that, but there's been no cooling off period because social media just continues to fan the flames. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we had here in, in Kalispell, Montana, we had a, a organization put up a black lives matter billboard in our town. Okay. And all these people are sending it to me. What do you think about this? Um, I think it was put there to divide our community. In other words, First of all, I don't give a shit, you know, it's up there. It's great, but they want it to be vandalized so that they can say a bunch of racists live here. So don't vandalize it. Okay. Yeah. And that's what happened. Like within 24 hours, it got vandalized and all these people are going nuts over it, whatever, and commenting. And, and, uh, I go in and, and say something like, look, it was put there for this reason, guys, don't, don't be fighting over this stuff. You know, we shouldn't be vandalizing it. You know, do I agree with black lives matter? Nope. 
I don't believe with Black, Black Lives Matter for the reasons I've stated several times in this podcast. Okay, it's a sham. It's a bullshit mm-hmm. organization. Okay, yeah, I, I I went to go do. I, I do research. I donate to a lot of different things, and I went to go donate. I scroll down. Okay, donate here. You you're on the yep. official site. You click to donate, and then it brings you to the the blue wave or what whatever it is. And it's act it's blue. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. a it's a Democratic Party organization. Yep. And, they try to justify it like, well, it's like a GoFundMe for, for, you know, Democrats. I'm like, it, it shouldn't be exactly. anything to do with a public, any, any party at all. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a, it's a human issue, not a political issue, but, but the politicians have I mean, brilliantly so done that, which by the way, you know, conservatives are just fucking asleep at the wheel and all this stuff. So I'd gone in there and commented on this and, uh, and this guy says, well, that's, that's your, uh, what was it? My, what is it? The not entitlement, your white uh, privilege. privilege. That's yeah. your white privilege uh, that wants to think that this guy says this, right? And he's black. And I, and I said, really? My white privilege just stated that, man, you don't know shit about me. Right. But he's judging me by the color of my skin, which if I were to do, that's, that's racist. Right. <laughs> so rather than get into it with this guy online, I send the guy a message and I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you and I get together and have a beer and you can explain to me how my white privilege got me further and gave me more opportunities than you had growing up. And so this guy, you know, he, he, he said, I'll be back in Kalispell on this date and let's do it. Well, I haven't heard from him yet. I even sent the guy my phone number. Um, and I'm, I rarely, interact with people. I get people reach out to me all the time. Hey, I follow you on Instagram. I'd like to come up, maybe go shooting with you. I don't do that just because I don't want some fucking psycho to decide to yeah. swag, swag yeah, me. Yeah. Right. Um, but I do feel like, uh, I, I feel a moral obligation because I care about the world that my kids are going to be uh, living in when, when I'm gone, I feel a moral obligation today to be a leader and say, I'll sit down. I'd, I'd love more insight on this than what I see right now. And I guarantee you that there are sides of this issue that I, that I don't see right now and only living it. I can never, ever, ever understand uh, the plight of a black man, okay? I can't walk in his shoes. I can't pretend to. I can tell you about things that I experienced growing up, but ultimately, you know, all those things against me growing up and, you know, race and this and that, I can guarantee you, I didn't walk into Target, you know, store or a grocery store and have security follow me around thinking I was going to steal something because of the color of my skin. That never happened to me, but I know that it happened to a lot of my black friends and a lot of my Mm -hmm. Mexican friends. Okay. So I can't go so far as to, to say that. Um, anyway, I, I guess, you know, I, I do want to see something good come of this. I, I believe that we do have good days, better days ahead. Um, I believe there's going to be some massive bombs, uh, between here and the election. Yeah. Uh, and you know, things are going to get ugly, but I I think after even no matter who wins, there's going to be a lot of pissed off people. And a lot yeah. of rage and a lot of 
you know, you got, you're, you're pouring fuel on the fire after locking people up for a few months and this happens and then you're going to have an election. If things don't go the way that either party wants, there's going to be a lot of raging pissed off people, not normal. Oh, our guy lost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But let's face it, Dave, uh, you're not going to see a bunch of, um, conservatives go out and start burning down their cities and looting because they didn't get their way. Okay. Uh, that's just not going to happen. Um, it, it, it will continue to happen if, if the other side, you know, wins. And again, here we are talking about, you know, this side and that side. Uh, I like this term moderate a lot. Moderate gives you that neutrality. And for me, when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's an easy out. Right. That's just a way of saying, let me let me just get this guy off my back real quick. But when I think about my values and where they truly are um, and, and I constantly have to monitor that, you know, what what's important. Uh, I, I do find myself more in the center uh, because I see a lot of despicable things uh, between extreme sides of either side of that equation. Mm -hmm. the, the problem is there's, you can't win on, you can't win as a moderate. No. Uh, you know, that polarity is fucking awesome marketing. You know, it's a lightning <laughs> rod, right? Yep. It's, it's yep. free. Fuels and people. it does. So uh, my hat's off to people that, you know, think that they want to get into politics. I used to think that that's what I wanted to do here in Montana. I, I thought, you know, when I get older, retire, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Now I'm like, fuck that. I don't need every freaking no. skeleton in my closet. All these things dragged out about, you know, like, yeah. man, no thanks. So the people that do it, uh, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I admire that, that service. Um, but uh, I, I do, I do think that we have brighter days ahead. I just, I don't know how far ahead, uh, yeah. and that's the sad thing. Hopefully, sooner than later, man, because I'm I'm ready for some more hilarity on on my social media instead of this shit. Yeah, me too. I, I, I get on and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, right now, I think the bulk of my social media is you know, tits, uh, you know, I, I enjoy looking at accounts with titties and, um, surfing, you know, that's where I find my, those are my Zen places that I go to. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I, I do see some, you know, hilarious stuff and I just try to avoid some of this other shit that I see. Yeah. Amen. Well, I appreciate you jumping on and, uh, I know you're packing up, getting ready to go on an adventure. So I yes, won't sir. keep it much longer. Uh, one yeah. thing that we always have people do, can you give us your favorite nonprofit, give them a shout out and uh, tell us why you selected them and a little bit about them. Okay. Uh, well, I appreciate that opportunity. Um, my my uh, charity of choice, my nonprofit organization of choice is Hero Hunt. Uh, Hero Hunt was uh, founded by uh, uh, a man named Joe Towers. He's a uh, detective in Nashville. Um, we've become very good friends over the years and, um, you know, that's an organization that, that doesn't just help, uh, police officers, but all first responders and, uh, veterans that, um, you know, are, are trying to cope with, uh, you know, either 
being injured on the job or or some sort of um, traumatic experience. Um, awesome organization. I am on the board of that organization now. Very very proud of uh, of the work that we've done. That it has grown tremendously, uh, particularly in the last year, um, with the help of some uh, larger sponsors. And uh, basically, you know, we take uh, take these men or women out into uh, outdoor experiences, whether that's hunting or fishing. Um, and uh, we just try to hang out and, and kind of get them grounded again. And it's uh, it's been very awesome. You can go onto YouTube. You'll see some Hero Hunt uh, videos up on YouTube. Might even see me in there uh, guiding some of the uh, hunters on there. It's something I feel very, very passionate about. And I can tell you that it's not a organization that has all these different layers. Uh, Joe and his wife uh, that run it do not uh, take money. They don't get paid uh, to do it. And everyone, uh, including myself, that um, helps, we are all volunteers. So 100% of the monies that go into that organization go right back to uh, helping the men and women that those uh, funds are designated for. So that's herohunt.org, uh, herohuntinc.org. You can look it up. And uh, I, I strongly recommend that you you uh, look into that, especially now, because I know a lot of officers in particular um, that I've spoken to in recent weeks are really pretty down. Um, they're in a, in a dark place right now. Um, these, these are people that, you know, they've received citations for saving people's lives and doing all these great things. And now all of a sudden that they're just, they're just villains Villains. and, um, you know, they're, they're human (laughs) and, uh, they're, they're dealing with some pretty tough, uh, tough things. So, um, give them the spirit and the courage, um, and, and that drive to continue to run towards violence and not away from it because, um, they will be there for us when we need it most. Amen. And then, um, I will uh, let you go. I'm going to throw a link up to hero hunt and uh, get that shared where we share everything out. I appreciate your time and enjoy your travels and I'll holler you later clip. Thanks, Dave. I, I sure appreciate you uh, having me on, and uh, and you know I love you, man. You're you're an authentic dude, and I can't uh, emphasize that enough. So, anyone out there listening, go check out uh, Dave and his products, his team. They they put together. Uh, they just got an awesome shop. Those guys are they take pride in what they do, and uh, they're not not just all about making money. They they really do enjoy what they do, and they and I'd love to see you carrying some of their stuff so check them out appreciate that man have a good one take care buddy next level shit is brought to you by next level armament We hope you enjoyed the show, and please tell your friends, give us a review, and subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Ringer, Dinger, you know, where you're listening to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Look for us uh, every couple of weeks. Peace out. Next Level Shit. Next Level Shit.